You're listening to Resurrection Life Podcast with your host, Father Steve Matson and Richard Budd, the podcast of the Church of the Resurrection in Lansing, Michigan. In today's episode, we talk about the war in Ukraine and Lent. We hear a reflection on Christian service, and we hear a poem by St. Augustine, The Beauty of Creation Bears Witness to God, read by Paul Cooch. Welcome to Resurrection Life Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. This is your host, Richard Budd, and with me as always... Father Steve, pastor here at Church of the Resurrection. How's it going, Father? It's going well. I mean, we're, we're, we've entered now into this holy season of Lent, and uh, I, I always look forward to Lent, the beginning again. Yeah. There's things that it's I know... It's a reset. That, it is a reset. There's a lot of resets throughout yeah. the year. Every day is a reset, but yeah. you know these these seasons they're helpful. How yeah. about you? How, how are things going for you? Good. I've been thinking um, on our last podcast we had been speaking with Father Alexei about how the Eastern Church has various fasts throughout the year, and so fasting doesn't it doesn't kind of slap them in the face like it does maybe for some well, of and, us. And I- I think we talked about it. I, I can't remember what we talked about last time, but uh, the Ember Days and these, yeah. these periods every uh, four times a year to fast, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. I think th- this morning, actually, this is we're recording this on Friday of the, uh, after Ash Wednesday, and I, I mentioned that we're soft. Mm-hmm. Our, our, our fasts are easy, and I, I mentioned this is we're on a Friday, so oh oh no, we have to give up meat. Let's go to the fish fry with <laughs> with uh, limitless fries, yeah. right? I mean, not to and, mention that meat from like most of human history was a, a luxury, that's right. and we eat it three meals a day now. It, it, well, it, it's true, and and now if you're going to eat fish fry, I hope you enjoy it. Okay, don't don't get me wrong, but the the sense of Self-denial and penance, mortification. I mean, it's like, are you seriously? Yeah, mortification for our sins and the sins of all the world. I mean, we don't think that way, but the East has retained it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think we can, we can learn from them. Yeah, I agree. So we're not going to get into what we're giving up for Lent because the Lord said, uh, let not your right hand. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, your left hand can clear. we just say that, that the, the reading every year, Matthew, uh, when you fast, do not let anyone know. I mean, uh, I just put ashes on my forehead. You know, <laughs> Jeremy Priest actually pointed out to me that the ashes relate to the first reading about proclaim a fast, let all the people. He's like, oh, yeah, right, it's a right. public fast. Um, but I've been seeing this trend on online and social media and whatnot of like, hey, everybody, what are you giving up for Lent this year? I'm like, Wait a minute, that seems to go counter to what the Lord told us. Well, that's right. But I, I do say uh, that the people who come to Mass on Ash Wednesday, a day that's not a holy day of obligation, mm-hmm. they, they get it. They're not living the way they yeah. know they ought to. So this is conscience. So maybe the ashes, the wearing of ashes, the sense of I'm identifying at least today mm-hmm. with this Catholic faith tradition. And this is what we do. And that kind of thing, and I, we need to have more of this is what we do, and that's what fasting could be, where almsgiving yeah. and all of the other disciplines that, I, that we can take on as Catholics. I think that um, Adv- I mean, uh, Lent, Ash Wednesday, is, is, is the hope that the, they're in, within the world there's still a sense of sinfulness 
and my need for the Lord. Yep. And so, you know, for those of us that, that work in ministry, it's a sign that, you know, nope, keep going. There's still that sense of Well, that's out there. right. And, and, you know, some people are discouraged that, you know, the numbers, especially at universities, uh, they vastly outstrip the number of people who go to Mass on a on probably per month. I mean, it's just amazing how many people come out for ashes on yeah, Ash Wednesday. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I do think that we should take hope that there is, there is an awareness of sin and of a need for repentance. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Now, this thought just came to me, so maybe we have to edit this out or not, but is there a way we could mark the Ember Days as a parish? Maybe do like adoration on the the Wednesday, Friday, and Saturdays or something like that? I mean, it's a a good question. There's nothing wrong with us making available. So just because the law does not require it doesn't mean that we cannot promote it. Yeah, as far as I know, it wasn't suppressed. It just wasn't the obligation to... to, Right, to fast. Uh, And you know, you you got me at a loss. I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure if it's the second week of Lent or if it's the first week of Lent, but it's the... The Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, either the first or the second week of Lent. Uh, there's one for each season of the year. Yeah, so there's right. one in the spring, the summer. And it originally tied to agricultural seasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah. So anyways, just something to think about. But um, the other context of which we're talking today is the ongoing war in, yeah, uh, right. in the Ukraine. Yeah. Um, this morning I woke up to... Uh, text messages about a, uh, a nuclear uh, power plant that had been bombed and that was on fire. And as the firefighters were trying to get to it, they were being shot at. Um, so we're all very on high alert, at least at this point. Who knows what will be yeah, happening thanks, when this comes out. I mean, I, it, it sounds like it wasn't targeted and it was a training building, not... The reactor building. Yeah, at this right? point, it seems like everything's calmed down and they've but, taken care it, of it. But 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 still, when, the, the, when, we're all on high alert. When, you when know? Russia, you know, is trying to, you know, project itself as the bear and puts nuclear weapons on alert, uh, there is some uncertainty. And when we read about this, we hear about this. But just to remind us all, the Lord said, "Be not afraid, mm-hmm. ever." Yeah. Doesn't mean, uh, you know, be reckless. And if there's a, you know, bomb sound, I mean, uh, what is it? Uh, air, air raid horn. Air raid horn <laughs> uh, to, to get to shelter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's prudent. But we've already died, mm-hmm. right? And our life is hidden with oh, Christ yeah. in God. Mm-hmm. So there is some significance though i think that, that this is happening during lent because i think mm-hmm. um not only are we not supposed to be fearful but there is this sense of the suffering i think of christ that gets lived out in the lives of his people and U- yeah. ukraine is a mostly christian country uh they're mostly orthodox um and they're living this lent now with extreme suffering. Well, and, and not to mention, I mean, this, it's a silly um, demonization that, that somehow Russia is evil. We need to ban Fyodor Dostoevsky, right? oh, <laughs> his yeah, books. Yeah. I mean, it's oh, absurd. Yeah. Uh, Solzhenitsyn again comes to, the, comes to the rescue, right? The line between good and evil runs through every human heart. And I don't think there is a people on earth 
that has suffered more than the Russian people. Mm-hmm. I mean, just kind of historically, I, that's uh, an exaggeration, but they have suffered much. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about in the, ninth, the, the 20th century. Uh, through uh, generations, they have suffered. And um, so that's why the, their music is so haunting. And um, yeah, it, it, you and I were chatting briefly before we started recording that you've been following the pillar yeah. uh, just around the matter between Moscow and, and Kiev, um, Ukraine and Russia. Uh, so maybe talk a little bit about that, that, that this has got a, a religious ecclesial dimension in ways that we wouldn't necessarily realize from the West. Yeah. So I'm in no way an expert on this. I'm still learning about it myself, but there are religious dimensions that are being tied into this as well. Um, as the, the the gentleman on uh, the pillar were talking, that um, there is a, a sense by many leaders in, in Russia, including Putin, that kind of the Russian world, uh, including Belarus and, and Ukraine and, and Russia, that they're meant to be in a sense, the ones that carry out the will of God in regards to the whole world. You know, Moscow uh, historically was called the Third Rome. Um, And so there's this kind of interplay between the world power and the church power. And I think it was in 2014, the the, uh, patriarch of Ukraine uh, kind of broke off from the Patriarch of Moscow and the other Orthodox churches um, kind of accepted their um, autonomy um, and uh, apologies to any of my Eastern brothers and sisters if I'm totally uh, massacring what happened here uh, in my description. But uh, the Patriarch of uh, Moscow has not been happy about that, has been declaring different uh, patriarchs and schism and um, and has really kind of been supporting Putin's efforts um, to reunify Ukraine with with Russia uh, as a religious motivation so that the the bishops or the patriarchs in uh, Ukraine are become hmm. suffragans once again under Moscow um, so there's there's all these spiritual and religious dimensions that you just don't hear reported on NBC News. Right, and, and I think we, we get back to the discussion about Christendom and this idea that, that power, uh, it, there's, it's really intention with the way that our Lord talks about, if you would be great, become the servant of all. Mm-hmm. This idea that we need you to bow, and, and you know, I've heard commentary uh, that, you know, Vladimir Putin uh, wants to reestablish kind of his his mindset is really shaped more by 18th and 19th century than the 20th century. And that idea of uh, the greatness of Russia and wanting to, and no, that's a temptation. We are, we are all tempted by the world, the flesh and the devil and greed. Uh, We prayed uh, uh, against violence this past week and, and the greed and the selfishness that, uh, the envy, the greed that leads to violence. I think the answer for the world, the answer for Ukraine and Russia 
to oversimplify, but to get to right, right to the heart of the matter is conversion and repentance and obedience to Christ, mm-hmm. becoming servant leaders, not trying to figure out how to take advantage of the crisis. <clears throat> I mean, this is, I think, the, the character of life in the 21st century is this idea of never let a, a crisis go to waste. Yeah. And to create crises, to be able to bring about what you want to have happen. And the misinformation, disinformation that we are drowning in, frankly, as people in the 21st century is part and parcel of that effort to accomplish purposes through, uh, uh, you know, whatever, mean ne- whatever means necessary. Mm-hmm. So I think for, for those of us, I mean, okay, Lansing, Michigan, you know, what is our kind of uh, response to what's going on halfway around the world? I think we really we need to go back to that sense of those readings that we were hearing at Mass a few weeks ago, or maybe it was a month or so ago, about the one body of Christ. You know, we're, we're one body, but we're mem- many members. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when one member suffers, the whole body suffers. And and the reason I bring this up is because I think sometimes we approach Lent as my personal kind of exercise routine to kind of get myself. I'm going to spirit- myself. Yeah, I'm going to get myself spiritually back in shape. And that's not how we're called to think of ourselves as part of the church. Yeah. We're part of a, a, an organism, really. And so uh, I think approaching Lent this this year with what's going on with our Christian brothers and sisters in Ukraine is really to spend my Lent praying and offering and sacrifice, fasting f- for peace and for healing in that area of the world. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, one of the things that I preached about both on Sunday last and, and Ash Wednesday was to carve out things in our lives that allow us to spend more time in the Word mm-hmm. and praying. Mm-hmm. What we need is more of the Lord, uh, you know, Obviously, you're monitoring things that through email or through uh, podcasts or, or the web, uh, as am I to some extent. Uh, but the real issue is for me uh, to allow the Lord to form me, shape me, and have his way with me for the sake of the whole. I've said to kids after they make their first reconciliation, the whole church is better off because you've gone to confession, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's yeah. that sense of the collective, right? We could think metaphorically that that uh, when we go to confession, and I want to encourage everyone who's listening to to me, if you haven't recently gone to confession, to go to confession. Uh, it's it's like uh, if we're in the ship together, it's bailing out mm-hmm. <laughs> the water yeah. that's pooled because the 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 ark is not here below perfect, mm-hmm. right? We're sinners, thanks be to God, forgiven, and we're perfect in heaven, but we're not there yet. So already, but not yet, and we're in we're along going along the way, but we're in it together, mm-hmm. and we're saved together, not individually. Yeah, we 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 too often think of ourselves as little pods individually just moving and running, kind of bumping into each well, and other. And also comparing. How am I yeah. doing? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, I just got a, uh, last week or week before, I got a, a, uh, a, like a paper cut on my finger. And I had, you know... Did a, you offer it up? No, I didn't. I cried. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, 
I put a little bandage on it and then went to like do my typing at my computer and just that little like cut kept aggravating me while I was typing and I just couldn't help but think that that little like issue that my finger was dealing with was causing all sorts of aggravation for (laughs) my whole self. I couldn't help but think of like the, the body of Christ, you know, like we're all affected by it. And so we really need to, to work on breaking out of the sense of like, I'm my own uh, person or I'm my own thing. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, the scriptures are very clear that we are not, not only do the things that we do, help others, uh, whether they're local here, um, proximate to us, or they're around the world. The whole body of Christ is strengthened. But there's also a sense in which we need to lovingly call out our brother or our sister uh, when we're able to see and and do so clearly Mm -hmm. and to do it with love, Mm -hmm. right? You know, we we just had this past Sunday the... um, beam and the speck, oh, right? Yeah. You, you, mm-hmm. you want to take the speck out of your brother's eye, your, your sister's eye, well, first take the beam out of your own. They're the same size, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, relatively. Just clear that out. Then you can see clearly. So we are called to help each other become holier, to hold each other to account, not in a meddlesome way, hopefully in a way that could be received, uh, but that is a gift. We are, in some respects, our brother's keepers, mm-hmm. our sister's keepers, as long as we do it with love and not with a sense of, I know better yeah. and, and listen to me because I'm older or wiser or more degreed or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the, the holiness, um, one of the things that I've kind of been awakening to once again is the, this, this idea of what makes us holy. I think we often fall into this Pelagian heresy of thinking that moral perfection or following the law to the T is what makes us holy. Mm. And it's not, it's, it's being the biblical senses. Are you, are you devoted? Are you dedicated to the Lord and to his service? Are, are you taking a portion of your time and, um, your, your, your treasure, uh, and, and devoting it to the Lord? Well, I think it's a good, good, helpful reminder for us because if, if indeed uh, the point is to keep our moral bib clean, right, right, and we we don't want to sin, but I can be arrogant. Oh yeah, that my moral bib is clean. That was the Pharisees. Look what I've done. So, so you you lay all these burdens and you won't even help carry them. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think it's a it's a good point. The question for us is. This our activity, this choice, this vocation is going to help you love God and others better mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. And if not, then repent. Exactly. Or discern, right? How is it that you can be more that loving man, that woman, that boy, that girl that you were made to be? So am I, do- am I doing my chosen uh, Lenten fast as a way of, can I make it all the way through perfectly? Or am I trying to remove something out of my life so that I can make space for the that's Lord? Right, that's right. And just, just a point on that. So some people will come and they'll say, you know, I, I, I ate chocolate and I gave it up for Lent. And what I typically tell people is that that's not actually a sin. Uh, that's a lack of grace that you receive. So there's grace when we offer these things up. Uh, it's not like we make a vow. Yeah. Uh, to. And the other, the other point that's worth making is so <laughs> some people say, I, I'm, I'm giving up cursing for Lent, okay? <laughs> All right, which is good, good. Do, do that. And, and other sins that uh, we might be able to list in our minds. Uh, 
the danger with saying it that way is when Lent's over. <laughs> <laughs> yes, now I can curse again. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I do think that the Lord gives us this season, the church has given us this season, in order to uh, take on the disciplines that can hopefully last beyond. Yeah, reorder our loves. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's right. You know, maybe, you know, maybe I've started to love something more than I love God. You know, I, uh, a year or two ago, I gave up YouTube because I found that I would get kind of sucked into YouTube yeah. and then I wouldn't make time for prayer. Yeah. I was like, YouTube's got to get out of my life so that I can pray. Yeah. Um, and so really, I think that's, you know, by the time this comes out, it'll be second week of Lent. Right. That's going to be a time where, you know, maybe we're starting to lose some steam. Well, and, and go ahead, finish. And finish I was just going to say, this, this is the moment where we need to remember what our motivation is. Yeah. Is it just to have a perfect, clean slate for Lent that I never failed once? Or is it to clear out a space in my heart so that the Lord can take back his rightful place? And And I want to encourage everyone, if you do find yourself kind of throwing in the towel, as it were, and there's always next Advent, there's always next Lent, begin again. And you might have decided that you were going to give up smoking and uh, fast every day and give up coffee, all right? That's a that's a that's a mistake. All right. Now the Lord wants you to drink coffee. <laughs> fair, enough, fair enough. The people around you want you to drink coffee. <laughs> no, I, I think what can happen is the evil one can encourage us to try to do that total remake uh, in one season. Yeah. And he actually discourages us, and then he mocks us, and he he taunts us, he accuses us. So if you bit off more than you can. Uh, chew, as it were, in penance, pull back and, and begin again. And that doesn't mean that it should be as easy as not having a third bowl of ice cream, right? <laughs> Just stay at two. I mean, not, have it be something that's challenging, but not overwhelming mm -hmm. and uh, so that you can actually fulfill it. So that the evil one doesn't have that finger to be able to wag at you and say, you didn't even do this. You couldn't even do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Um I think we've probably got enough for today, but just to sum up, let's not bite off more than we can chew. If we're starting to waver, remember yeah. what the motivation is. And then this year in particular, we have a whole nation of our brothers and sisters that are suffering. Um, well, and I, I think both in Russia and Ukraine. Exactly. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of things of like the people of Russia are like, we, we don't want this either. That's right. Um, so... Uh, and let me just encourage uh, you if if you if you don't typically go to to daily mass to maybe go occasionally. Mm -hmm. The other thing is to spend some time in the Word, uh, reading, and maybe as you did, Rich, uh, in past years, give up YouTube to give up something that's a distraction in terms of media, so that you can be more present to the Lord and more present to other people. Yeah, that reminds me, St. John Chrysostom has one of one of my favorite passages. He talks about, he's preaching to families, and he talks about how in your home, you should have a table for the family meal, mm -hmm. and you should have a table for the Word of God. And you should it shouldn't be a, like a trophy uh, yeah. table. It should be a place where you go 
to be fed, but that the, it's a place where you keep the word of God and honor it, but also go to it and return to it to be fed as well. So maybe that might be a good practice that people can kind of set up a place Absolutely. of honor in their homes for the you word know, of God. I know some families do have kind of an altar where they maybe mm-hmm. have the Sacred Heart of Jesus enthroned there. And uh, so these are, these are disciplines that help us uh, remember who we are and whose we are. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, once again, uh, thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time. And I won't say happy Lent, but I'll say blessed Lent. <laughs> Good. God bless. God bless you. As we progress in the spiritual life, we find that how well we proceed depends on God's mercy and grace, but also our own effort at leading a virtuous life. In the following reflection from Sean O'Neill, we explore how performing good works can be an aid to our spiritual growth and a way in which we can love our neighbor. Christian Service When we think about Jesus and about his ministry when he was on earth, we can sometimes get the idea that he was, in essence, some kind of celebrity. After all, he went around preaching publicly. He also worked many miracles, whether it was healing the sick or possessed people, multiplying loaves of bread or calming a storm on the Sea of Galilee. It's true that at the time of his earthly life, He was so famous and influential that many of his fellow Jews thought that he was going to turn out to be a great military leader, that he would get rid of the Roman occupying force and become king of an independent Israel. But if you read the Gospels carefully, it becomes clear that he never really took advantage of his status. When he healed someone, he took pains to try to keep it secret and asked them not to tell anyone about it. When the crowd tried to seize him and make him king, he simply disappeared from their midst. And despite the fact that he was applauded wherever he went, he never lorded it over other people. Why was that? If it wasn't power that motivated Jesus, what was the driving force behind his ministry? St Paul tells us in Philippians 2, that Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Jesus spent his entire ministry serving other people. He was so selfless that he even served us by dying in our place. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, after Jesus has washed his disciples' feet, He says this, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's interesting that washing the disciples' feet was not just a symbol of service. It was a real household chore. The disciples' feet would have been genuinely dirty and dusty from tramping around the countryside all day with the Messiah. 
It's also interesting that he didn't just serve them by providing a basin and a towel and telling them to wash their own feet. He took care to actually wash their feet himself. And it's that personal, practical, intimate service that marked every interaction that he had with those he came in contact with. And Jesus wants us to do the same. He wants us to serve each other not in symbolic ways by paying lip service to his instruction, but in ways where we actually supply a real need to each other. He also wants to show us that personal touch, the same way that he did when he washed their feet. Jesus also wants us to serve, not reluctantly, but willingly. Many times we read in the Gospels about how Jesus anticipated people's needs by asking, what do you want me to do for you? Or, do you want to be healed? And in a similar way, he wants us to be proactive in finding out what other people need and stepping in to fill that need. And you'll notice that when Jesus finds out what's required, he serves promptly. When a blind man named Bartimaeus shouted for Jesus' attention, Jesus immediately stopped what he was doing and asked Bartimaeus, What do you want me to do for you? Then Jesus immediately granted his request and restored his sight. When Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, asked Jesus to heal his dying daughter, Jesus immediately went to the ruler's home and asked to see the child on her sickbed. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Little girl, I say to you, arise. When Jesus saw Zacchaeus, the tax collector, watching him from a distance in a tree, Jesus stopped what he was doing and began to speak to Zacchaeus alone. Make haste and come down, I must stay at your house today. Jesus' gracious invitation was not only an act of special favour and friendship, but a remarkable reversal of the scorn and distance usually shown to tax collectors at the time. When the apostles tried to keep children away from Jesus, Jesus rebuked them and said, Do not hinder the children from coming to me. Then he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. When Jesus went to Peter's home, he discovered that Peter's mother-in-law had a fever, So Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. So Jesus' ministry was marked by this one trait of personal, willing, timely service. And in the Gospels, he has left us an example that he wants us to follow. Remember that when Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is, he says without hesitation, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. And so, for Jesus, one of the main ways in which we can love one another is through serving one another. So what can we do to serve one another? We can actively seek to discover what people actually need, either simply through observation or by asking someone else what we can do for them and how we can help them. We can serve someone else when they need help rather than just when it suits us. 
And we should serve other people without expecting any return for our efforts. And that involves also not seeking the reward of being noticed. It takes a lot of the merit out of our service if we do it in the hope that someone will notice it and praise us. So serving in unseen ways can be more loving than doing it ostentatiously. And lastly, we can go the extra mile. Our aim is not to do the bare minimum to satisfy the commandment, but to do more than is required by mere courtesy. It's also worth noting that Jesus had a special care for the poor and the helpless, and so should we. Sometimes that may involve providing for the destitute, and sometimes it can involve being a friend to those in anguish and giving them a reason for hope. There are many ways in which we can serve each other. At a minimum, we can pray for each other. But we can also give money to those whom we know need it. We can spend time simply listening to someone as a form of personal service. And we can give each other help in practical ways by helping someone move home, doing grocery shopping for an elderly neighbour, or fixing things in their home. But most of our service may well revolve around serving family members. As the saying goes, charity begins at home. But in all of this, our motivation should be love. To serve wholeheartedly, personally, practically and in a timely way is one of the main ways we can love our neighbour as Jesus has taught us to. And yet that love must be rooted in the love of God. As St John says in his first letter, we love because he loved us first. Let's ask God for the grace to obey the greatest commandment through service. Jesus, you have left us an example of selfless love in the way you tirelessly served everyone you came in contact with. Give us the grace and the strength to overcome our love of self and instead demonstrate our love for you through our own humble service to those you have put into our lives. Show us how and when to serve so that we may please you by loving our neighbour. Teach us to be kind and attentive to the needs of others. Amen. We finish this episode with a poem by St. Augustine. The beauty of creation bears witness to God. Read by Paul Cooch. St. Augustine was born in 354 at Tagast in Africa. He was brought up in a Christian faith, but without receiving baptism. As a schoolboy, he demonstrated brilliant talents, but also violent passions, and unfortunately lost both his faith and innocence early on. He persisted in his immoral life until he was 32. He eventually ended up in Milan teaching rhetoric. He tells us in his autobiography that he once again became attracted to the faith of his childhood, but that he could not as yet resolve to break the chains of his evil habits. One day, however, after being deeply moved by the account of a sudden conversation that his friend told him about, he cried out, the unlearned rise and storm heaven and we with all of our learning for lack of heart lie wallowing here. He then withdrew into the garden 
where a long and terrible conflict ensued. At length, he heard the voice of a child come to him out of nowhere saying, take and read. He picked up the book he had with him and opened it at random and read these words from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 13. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. His immoral battle came to a sudden end and he resolved to become a Christian. He received baptism, returned home, and gave everything to the poor. At Hippo, where he settled, he was consecrated bishop in 395. For 35 years, he was the center of the ecclesiastical life in Africa and the church's greatest champion against heresy. He died in 430. In the following poem, St. Augustine poses the question, if you asked all of created nature about itself, what would it say? In answer to this question, nature responds that it is beautiful, but points beyond itself to God, the source of all the beauty. The beauty of creation bears witness to God by St. Augustine. Question the beauty of the earth, the beauty of the sea, the beauty of the wide air around you, the beauty of the sky. Question the order of the stars, the sun whose brightness lights the days, the moon whose splendor softens the gloom of night. Question the living creatures that move in the waters, that roam upon the earth, that fly through the air, the spirit that lies hidden, the matter that it manifests, the visible things that are ruled, the invisible things that rule them. Question all these. They will answer you. Behold and see we are beautiful. Their beauty is the confession to God who made these beautiful changing things, if not one who is beautiful and changes not. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. Please tune in next time for more conversation, reflections, and Catholic culture. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to drop us a line to give us feedback or suggest future topics to feature, write us at podcast at corelancing.org. You can find the Church of the Resurrection online at corelancing.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.